Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning. It is Monday, the 30th of January, 2023. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed Hour 1 or you want any of the links to the articles we discussed or the people we discussed them with, um, you can grab the show notes later today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. So if you're subscribed to Mornings with Carmen, wherever you get your podcast, then When that podcast loads, uh, you will also receive the show notes, which have all the links in them. So as we discussed on Friday, the Memphis authorities or authorities in Memphis did release the Tyree Nichols arrest footage um, on Friday night. Um, The videos revealed um, police officers pulling Mr. Nichols from his car, um, pepper spraying him. Um, He then sought to run away from them. They pursued him on foot. The officers appear to grow um, increasingly frustrated with their inability to catch up with him. Um, And uh, when they do, they are shown punching, kicking, and using uh, police batons as he cries out for his mother. Paramedics can be seen waiting some 16 minutes before addressing his wounds. Um... And the release of the videos prompted protests across the country that were um, overwhelmingly peaceful. Memphis police uh, subsequently announced that their special Scorpion unit, um, which was connected to all five of the fired police officers, had been disbanded. Um, And um, and by and large, the uh, the rhetoric um, by people directly related um, to this has been very, very measured. Um, honest, grief-filled, um, disgusted, rightly so. Um, and you have seen calls for uh, police reform, not only in the state of Tennessee, where I live, um, but also across the country. The five officers have been charged in Nichols' death, and they will appear in court on February the 17th. You heard um, at the outset of this hour, Representative Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, telling uh, Meet the Press on Sunday that he was not sure that any law or any training or any reform would have changed what happened. Um, and, and why? Why? Because there was a lacking of any respect for life. That's the language that he used. There's a lack of respect for life. And I think that that's one of the things that we need to figure out how to talk about. We live in a culture that does not respect life. We live in a culture of death. We live in a culture where um, people are not considered people. Um, we talk about them as uh, having, you know, I don't know, emerged from some combination of chemistry and time and chance um, instead of understanding that 
human beings are image bearers of the living God, uh, conceived first by God, and then, yes, in a woman's womb, um, and that that's a person from conception to natural death. That's a person, and that is a person who has inherent dignity because they are an image bearer of the living God, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their gender, regardless of um, the uh, their language, economic status, nation of origin. I mean, you you pick the descriptor. I don't care. If we don't see people as people, then we will not have um, among us the kind of respect for human life that is necessary to um, bring an end to the kind of violence that we have now all witnessed in the Tyree Nichols case. I also want to... Um, talk about um, one of the parts of the video that just profoundly stands out to me. Um, well, and the response. So Tyree Nichols' mother is Rovon Wells, and she told NBC in an interview um, on, on Saturday um, that um, she was praying for these officers. She's praying for them, and she's praying for their families. Um. And that's the woman to whom Tyree was crying out. And he was yelling at, at, at the top of his lungs, you know, mom, mom, mom. She was three blocks away at the time. She was three blocks away. And I wanted to highlight this because I do think it gives us a conversational talking point today. Um, in your moment of absolute desperation, for whom are you crying out? For whom are you crying out? Um, Jesus invites us to cry out, Abba, Father. He is literally closer to us than our next breath. Um, and he's just a cry away. And I'm not saying that that would change the outcome or the circumstance of what happened here. Um, but I hope that in the midst of her grief, as Rovon Wells is um, grieving the loss of her son. I hope that even as her son was crying out, Mom, Mom, she is now crying out, Abba, Father. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to talk with Dr. Linda Mental about how, how we address sudden loss. How, how do we cope in the midst of sudden loss? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is joining us now. Um, you can find her at the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. You can connect with her at drlindamental.com. Linda, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. And it, what a time up as, we're, as you were talking about um, Tyree Nichols and what his mom is probably experiencing even today. I'm sure she never thought that when her son left the house that she would never see him again alive and that is what we're our topic is today and how do you cope with that type of sudden loss which is very very difficult for people to do yeah um you have written about this and we're gonna 
um, certainly include the link in the show notes. Um, so when we talk about coping with sudden loss, you you note there's a variety of sudden losses that we could experience, death being one of them. But, you know, the loss of property or the loss of a job, the mm-hmm. loss of a relationship or community. I'm thinking about people who, you know, for one reason or another have, quote, lost their church or their church family. Um, why Why is sudden loss so difficult for us to process or cope with? Well, it's different than um, what we would call expected loss because we don't have any time to prepare for that loss. And that lack of being able to at least a little bit mentally um, prepare is a significant thing because you do, if you're dealing with somebody who's chronically ill or you know that your company is going to lay you off or you know that there's going to be a a major change in in your church and things will you know be different you can at least begin to wrap your brain around it a little bit and start to think about how you're going to feel and what that's going to be like and what's going to happen but with sudden loss you you can't do that and then what complicates it so much is that often people think about well what was my last interaction if it involved a person was I kind? Did I yell at them? Did I discipline them? Did I just let them go for the day and never really pay attention um, maybe to their leaving and then something happens? And so there's can be surrounded by a lot of guilt and regret and even remorse based on whatever that last interaction was with the person. And then it often hits, uh, Carmen, when we're by ourselves. So sometimes sudden loss is hard because we're just not expecting it in any way. And we might be alone and away from our support group. So somebody that's experiencing loss in college and is not with their family and is all by themselves and maybe, um, you know, other circumstances where you just don't have the support around you, which always makes loss a more difficult thing. And then, you know, we, we just have, with sudden loss, we just have more questions. And the shock part of that is really more difficult. It actually takes longer for this experience to really set in. You feel like you're living in a dream. I, I remember this, and, and our audience knows that my brother was suddenly killed on an airplane from a, a terrorist bomb. And I remember when we got the news thinking, this can't be real. I mean, it can't be real. It, it just doesn't seem possible. And I remember going to bed that night and then thinking, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. This will be a bad dream. This didn't really happen. This can't be. And so that that whole process of disbelief takes a lot longer with people with sudden loss. And then depending on what it is, like in the case of Tyree Nichols, this was tragic in terms of it was, you know, it was done by brutality and um, it was a death that was a homicide. I mean, alleged homicide. And so, you know, that type of tragedy makes it much more difficult as well um, because there's so much going on. That's a little bit different than maybe a hurricane coming your way or a bad snowstorm and you're you're waiting for that storm and you don't know what's going to happen, but then it does happen. A little bit different than the tragedy that we see with death when people are murdered or something brutal happens to a person. Hmm. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. We're talking about uh, coping with sudden loss. When we come back, um, we're going to ask Linda, what are some of the common questions that people face and ask in the midst of sudden loss? What kind of questions have you asked in the midst of sudden loss? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Show me your face Fill up this space My world needs you Continue our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental. You can find uh, what we're talking about today at Linda's blog. The um, the direct link will be in the show notes today, but you can find it at drlindamental.com. Linda, um, let's talk through some of the common questions that we tend to ask in the face of sudden loss. Yeah, I know one of the, the big ones uh, is, could I have done something differently? Could I have somehow prevented this? And um, I'll go back to the case with my brother. Um, he was on a six-week or seven-week tour across the world. He's in the Army, an Army officer. They were doing some top-secret stuff on um, water supplies and different bases all over the world. And during that time, my middle brother got married. And when my middle brother uh, was going to have the wedding, my brother that was around the world was trying to decide, we were trying to decide, should we bring him home? Uh, should he finish the tour? This is this was a big deal, this tour that he was on. Um, and so we decided, my brother decided, my other brother, that he would not bring him home for the wedding and we would just celebrate with him later. And that event obviously went around our head many, many times. What if, what if we would have said, yes, you need to come home now? Uh, that obviously then he wouldn't have been on that plane when it was blown up. But you can't do that. You know, and I hear people in therapy uh, all the time saying, what if I had delayed five minutes or what if I had, you know, answered that phone call and not gone? And we just can't go there because it doesn't do any good. A what if statement is an anxiety statement. And all it's going to bring you is anxiety because it's should have, would have, could have, which you have no control over. So that question is natural, normal, but you cannot dwell on that question. And then sometimes, you know, Carmen, there is survivor's guilt that comes with people. So they're like, why did I live? And the other person didn't, especially when you're involved in some type of tragedy or there's some type of, you know, COVID. When we were having all these people with COVID, why did this person get sick and die? And then I lived um, and I didn't have that issue. And so survivor's guilt can be related to uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, but it doesn't have to be. You can have survivor's guilt and not have a formal diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. But it's that whole idea of I've done something wrong by surviving. And again, that is just a lie. That is not a truth that you need to listen to. Um, because again, this is based on uncertainty and helplessness that we all have when we go through these things. I think probably the biggest one is God, why? Why did this happen? Why did it have to happen? Why didn't you protect me? Or why didn't you protect that person? Or why couldn't you make that tornado hit in the ocean and not hit our house? All those mm. types of questions. And I know my mom struggled with that for years and years. God, why? Why my son, my oldest son, 
Why would, you know, in her mind, why would you take him? And again, there's no answer to that question. I can't tell you sitting here today, I know exactly why that happened. I don't know why that happened. I just know that it did. And I know that the Bible says that in this world, we will have trouble. And there will be heartache and disappointments and things that to us. But the question is, just like it was with Job, you know, um, Philip Yancey, I love Philip Yancey as a writer. And he says in his one of his books that Job, uh, God was not on trial when all the losses and the sudden losses hit Job, but Job was on trial for his faith. And so despite what we see, and we sing that song, blessed is the Lord, you know, the one who takes away, gives and takes away. And every time we sing that song, I get very sober in that song because I have had things taken away. I had my brother taken away. Can I still say, blessed be the Lord in that process? Well, I hope so. And I have been able to do that over the years as I've worked through the grief and I've gotten through uh, this, you know, this event and the loss then we have to ultimately come to that point where we say, blessed be the Lord uh, who gives and takes. And we are yet on the other side of all this pain and sorrow. We will be one day, but we're not there yet. Um, I'm, I'm writing this down because this, uh, this note about being able to say and sing, blessed be the Lord who gives and takes away. Um, Wow, uh, Melinda, that might be the that might be the golden nugget of the conversation um, because it's so wound up, right? In, in acknowledging my feelings, embracing the pain, um, allowing the pain to turn me toward God and not away from Him, right. um, and then this remembrance, this remembering that are all uh, really important parts of coping. You also um, talk here about um, two maybe really like practical things that we can do, because I think sometimes we feel very, very paralyzed. You talk about mm -hmm. keeping to your routine as much as possible and joining a grief group. Can you can you talk about those two um, very, very yeah. practical steps that a person coping with sudden loss could do today? Well, if you're, you know, when you're dealing with sudden loss, it's all this uncertainty and unexpected behavior that happens and things that happen. So the more that you can sort of get back into a routine, and it may not be easy at first. A lot of people have trouble sleeping. Um, you know, they don't want to eat. They don't want to do the normal routine. You need to give yourself a little bit of time for that. But the more you can force yourself back into a routine, back into a pattern, get your life sort of as much as you can, and it, it will not be the same given the loss, but the more that you can get on board with doing those things, the better you're going to feel in the long run. But I do want to point out a great resource in the church. And uh, some people have heard of and they've seen me on the series Divorce Care, which mm -hmm. is a, a biblical series that helps people go through divorce, um, which can sometimes be a sudden loss. I've worked with pastors whose wives have taken off in the middle of the night and they've never seen them again. So that can be a sudden loss. But Divorce Care is great because it works you through the process of loss related to divorce. But that same group who's based in Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina, also has a ministry called Grief Share. And it's very similar to divorce care in terms of it's a video based, there's small group discussion, and you're in, you know, a room or you're in on teams or however you're doing it, you're with people that have gone through the same thing. And so they help you on that journey of loss, whether it's sudden, a sudden loss or an expected loss, 
Law still has very similar qualities to it, a little different for sudden loss as, as we've talked about, but it has the same type of process in terms of we don't go through linear stages of grief. So a lot of people know those five stages of grief, you know, the denial, the shock, the bargaining, the accept, you know, the acceptance eventually, you know, the anger, all of those things that we go through, they're not linear. So being in a group of people and saying, you know, I thought I was through the anger, but today, boy, something really came up and I'm really, really angry. And you get triggered by things all the time that will bring that on. So going into a group with people who have been there, who are looking at the word of God, who are supporting you, encouraging you, letting you know you're not alone on this journey can just be such a powerful thing. So I would encourage if anyone's feeling stuck in a loss or just feels like they want the support or their encouragement and wants to know, you know, be around like-minded people, find a, a grief share group near you because a lot of the churches do have this group. Yeah, and you can just go to griefshare.org, griefshare.org um, to find such a group. Yeah, thank you so much for highlighting that and, and celebrating that. Linda, as always, um, we appreciate your being with us. Well, thanks. And just remember, as you're getting you know, the things that are happening around, one day we're not going to be dealing with this. And we have to keep our focus on heaven and the eternal while we're trying to deal with the pain of this life. But I just keep getting blessed by those verses in the scripture that says one day every tear will be taken from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. What a great and glorious day that will be. Amen. Amen. Linda, thank you so much. That's Dr. Linda Mental. You can hear her here on Faith Radio and the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can also find lots of resources available at drlindamental.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right, there's a headline out of New York City. Um, the The city has elevated a, what I'll just describe as a gold-horned statue. It sort of looks like a woman. Um, and it is paying, according to the artist, paying homage to RGB, um, the former member of the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and to abortion. And uh, lots of questions being asked, is it satanic? Is it a satanic statue? And does it belong up there with Moses and uh, <clears throat> other lawgivers? Um, so let me just say this. Uh, it's certainly dark. Um, and it's certainly a darkness onto which light needs to be uh, shown. It's certainly celebrating and exalting the power of Satan. It's certainly in need of um, a sanctifying witness, but who's going to go and tell people that? Like who? Who's going? Who's going to say that in such a way that people who are living in darkness can see light, and people who are living under um, satanic influence can recognize it for what it is? Well, I want to um, remind us here of Acts chapter twenty-six, uh, verses nine to eighteen, and Paul is recounting here his conversion. On, uh, on his way to Damascus. And you'll remember he's on his way to Damascus to, um, <clears throat> to find Christians and arrest them and haul them back to Jerusalem for, pro for prosecution. And so in this, uh, during this journey, he's on his way to Damascus. He has this authority and commission of the chief priest. 
And he says, um, it's about noon and I'm on the road and I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why, why do you persecute me? Um, and I asked, well, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. And then listen to this part in relationship to what I've described in New York. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I think about this, uh, this call of the apostle who we now know as, as Paul. He is still Saul in this text. And I, I think about the way that um, he has encountered Jesus Christ, and that has not only changed his life, but in turn— God then sends him as a witness into the dark places of his own culture to be a person who bears light and bears witness. Against what? Against the powers of Satan, that people would turn from the power of Satan to God. So if you believe that this new statue that has been elevated in New York City, this horned statue paying homage to abortion, if you consider it satanic, then use it as an opportunity to shine light that people would turn from the power of Satan to God. To what end? That they might too receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who have been sanctified by faith in Christ. Nothing has really changed since Acts chapter 26. Jesus is still as real today as he was then, but it's not a guy named Saul on the road. It's you and me. So in a world where um, so much uh, death is exalted, we want to talk about life and we want to exalt life. Joining us next to do that are Dr. Corbin Hornbeek and his wife, Heather. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Well, back with us this morning, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek. He is the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, which is the parent organization for Northwest Media, which is the parent organization of Faith Radio. So technically, he's like my boss's boss's boss. Good morning, Dr. <laughs> Good morning, Dr. Hornbeek. Good morning, Carmen. How are you this morning? I'm well. I'm well. And Good. you have with you a very, very special guest today. So would you introduce to us the very special guest you've brought? Well, I do. Uh, it is really my pleasure. I'm so happy to be on the air with you this morning, Carmen. And uh, my wife, Heather, and I are thrilled to be uh, here with you this morning. Um, Heather and I have been married almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years uh, this coming July. I think I got the date right. And um, Heather and I uh, love to share our journey of faith. We love to share our journey of how God's worked in our life. But uh, this is an important conversation this morning, and, and I asked uh, that Heather be on the air with us this morning. Uh, she's also a licensed marriage and family counselor. And so um, as we talk about issues of life, as we talk about issues um, – uh, the uh, the uh, challenges of abortion and and decisions around that 
um, it's important to make sure that we're um, bringing a lot of voices around the table in this conversation. So I'm really thrilled that Heather is here this morning. Heather, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. It's so good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you with us. So when we um, when we hear the term pro-life or when we claim to be pro-life, every single one of us um, has some kind of story that we can then turn and tell. So Heather, I'm wondering if you have a, um, a story that you could tell us today um, that's maybe a part of why you describe yourself and, um, and your own position as quote unquote pro-life. Yes. So I, you know, this is kind of a vulnerable story, but I definitely feel like it's part of my story and something that God has really used to work in my life and understanding the beauty of life. Um, I would say I mostly just feel so incredibly grateful. Um, my parents are a couple who, after dating for three years, um, they, even though my mom wasn't really for premarital sex, it happened, and I was conceived. Um, she was 22, I think, and so it was a really, it was a really a big, big thing. And I, and I get that. I really get that for, for them because, uh, she was working at a youth camp and she was still developing herself and, and, and growing. And my husband or her, no, not, uh, uh, my dad, he also was in the middle of military training and everything. So it was really, it was definitely the timing was, was a little bit, iffy for them. But my mom, thankfully, I don't know, she's just always had such this beautiful view of life. Um, She is so passionate about it. She's passionate about all life and kids are the most beautiful, all of us, God's creation. And so um, I think it's given me a real personal um, experience with how thankful, and it's not even just my life, but I think about like our kids' lives. Like they they wouldn't be here if I wasn't here and then their kids wouldn't be here. And so it's kind of, it really expands out if you really start to think about it. And so just in that way, you're talking about with light, just to bring hope and encouragement and that brokenness can be redeemed and that God is is faithful. And I know there's a lot of all kinds of different situations, um, but I really wanted to share my, my experience. So... <laughs> Well, first of all, Heather, thank you um, so much. Um, Corbin, I want to give you the opportunity to, um, I want you to give you the opportunity to say thank you mm. to Heather's mom yeah. for making what at the time was, I'm sure, a very difficult decision, um, but a decision that has been uh, a, a a decision that has produced life upon life upon life. So can you just say thank you? Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you to Heather's mom, Nancy, uh, also to her dad, uh, Bob. And we have a deep love for her parents. Um, they're on, uh, you know, her dad's on a faith uh, journey, um, but they made the decision not only to keep uh, Heather and to go through the full pregnancy, but they also made the decision to get married. And it hasn't always been easy. It wasn't the easy decision then, and uh, but it was the right decision, and it was a decision that produced um, not just Heather's life, but um, uh, generation upon generation. And so we are both uh, just so deeply grateful uh, for the decision they made, the choice they made, 
um, in spite of alternatives. And uh, so, yeah, we're very deeply grateful and humbled. When we come back, I'm going to ask Heather to, um, to speak to those of you who are listening right now who made a different choice. Um, because we want to speak grace and forgiveness um, for decisions that have been made in the past that have not resulted in in life, um, and we want to speak to your heart as well. So we're going to continue our conversation here with Corbin and Heather Hornbeek. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. We are Continuing our conversation with Corbin and Heather Hornbeek. Corbin is the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. His wife, Heather, is joining us today as a special guest as well. She's a professional counselor, has a deep heart for pastoral care for those dealing with loss and brokenness. Um, Heather, I'd love for you to speak a word of encouragement and um, forgiveness to people who are listening right now who did not make the decision that your mom made to have you um, and um, because I, it's the reality for so many people, and we recognize it's it's the reality um, in the history of a lot of people listening. And so just love for you to speak to them now. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up, because that is one of my biggest hearts. I think the biggest thing that I've learned being a counselor is just that the brokenness in this world, God is a redeemer, and all of us have all kinds of brokenness in our life. And we've, we've made the wrong decisions about all kinds of things. And um, I just love how God is a redeemer. He's a healer. Um, he takes what's broken and he, and he can make it beautiful. So <clears throat> I, I know that there's probably a lot of, sh- I know there's shame that comes with all kinds of our, you know, decisions and the gr- regret. And um, I, I just really want to say to, to everybody that this may um, apply to that that God is is a forgiver. I mean he 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 gave us life like eternal life and and he's he's already died on the cross for the brokenness and sin in this world and I just think for any of us whatever our brokenness is if we come to him in humility and and sorrow he will he will redeem redeem it and and it does take some time but. God is a God of love. The amount of love that he has for us is, it's unfathomable. So, you know, I think it's important to always keep that in mind. And if it's hard to feel that love, you know, just continue to keep working on it because God does forgive. He forgives all of us. So none of us are excluded from all that. So it's, um, I just, I really do have a lot of hope for, for healing. Corbin, I'd love for you to um, take a moment to address from a, you know, from the perspective of not only higher education, but Christian higher education. Um, It's not just, uh, you know, quote unquote, pagan secular kids out there having sex. um, Right. And so will you talk with us from, um, you know, from the perspective of Christian higher ed, like just invite people to avail themselves of resources wherever they are. Um, whenever this ha- when whenever an unplanned pregnancy happens. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Carmen. And again, I just want to thank Heather for her words of encouragement and hope and care, uh, compassion. Um, God is 
a redeeming God. There isn't anything in this world that he um, uh, can't heal, doesn't heal. Um, as Heather said, if we come to him in our brokenness and humility, um, he is so gracious and kind, um, and the brokenness can be healed. And so those walking uh, in any kind of uh, shame or guilt uh, can be set free of that. The reality is that this culture and this world, um, you know, we've looked at some articles together, uh, Carmen, that that really do kind of indicate the the shifting perspective within culture. It changes. It goes back and forth. Um, there is a, a widening and a broadening acceptance of um, free access and full access to abortion. Um, <clears throat> the Supreme Court, of course, has put that back in the, the power of the states. In higher education, particularly Christian higher education, we are not immune uh, to the changing cultural landscape. Uh, our students are deeply influenced. Um, young people are very deeply influenced by the world in which they live, the world that says that you get to choose uh, what is right and wrong. You get to decide that and determine that. And so even in a Christian university, we have a uh, – even though as a university, we have taken a, a, a wonderful – pro-life stand on this issue. We recognize that our students come from various perspectives and and come into a place like University of Northwestern uh, with views that are probably all over the map. And so we have a a beautiful opportunity to help uh, this next generation uh, understand uh, the value of life, the beauty of life, um, the uh, the idea of the imago day that every one of us is created in the image of God, and serve, therefore every uh, every life, every uh, from conception we say to final breath, uh, has infinite worth and value. Um, and so we, we want to take a very positive and hopeful stand uh, on that, and and uh, bring that into the environment at at a place like the University of Northwestern. Um, Heather, you guys uh, have, you know, just made this transition from living in Southern California to living in Minnesota. Um, You are separated from your young adult children Mm -hmm. um, who are back in California. Just, you know, just wondering, um, you know, here quite publicly in front of everybody, like, you know, how are you doing? How can we encourage you? How can, um, uh, you know, like... uh, what, what's it like? How, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's... I'm going to let Heather take that one. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It's, you know, it has definitely been an adjustment. I adore kids. They are some of my best friends. And I actually, we have so much fun with them. So that was a really hard thing to leave f- from a day-to-day basis. But I can just see God moving. It's it's like um. Any adjustment takes time. It, it can take six months. It can, and I can tell every day that I'm more adjusted. And I've always loved Northwestern. The people here are just amazing, and it's such a privilege and an honor. Um, but yeah, just to be really honest, it's been really hard. Like when I said yes, I really felt like I was just following God's lead. It was it was something. I just felt like it was the right thing, and so I did it. And sometimes when you step out in faith and and walk even when you're not necessarily wanting something to change it it is you do see God's faithfulness and his hand on everything and so I'm visiting the kids a lot they visit us a lot and so we are getting through it and they're adults so they're busy too so we're actually all doing really good it's you know but it has been a little bit hard as it should be so well, if it's any consolation, um, I I am that like witness and testimony of the kid whose mom 
uh, flew the coop when I was in college. Like my <laughs> uh, my home uh, that I, you know, thought I was going to go home to. Um, it wasn't there anymore. She had moved across the country. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just letting you know it. We, we can survive. We can fly. <laughs> um, we do. We, we do learn coping mechanisms. And my mom, my mom's one of my best friends as well. And Aww. so um, I just encourage you to continue to cultivate that. And we, we already just love both of you and your family and so appreciate your um, your encouraging presence with us at the University of Northwestern and Northwest Media. Um, you guys are already just precious to us. Oh, thank you. Well, Carmen, if we didn't miss our kids, that would that, that would be, be a, a problem, yeah, right? Yeah, probably a bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love that. Hey, can we pray for you guys this thank morning? You. Thank you. Father, we thank you for Corbin and Heather. We thank you for drawing them together as husband and wife. We thank you for um, the new life that that has um, then created. We thank you that these two are genuinely one. Um, We thank you for the family that they have produced, and we thank you for the parents who brought them into the world. Father, we ask your um, hand of blessing today that they would continue to shine as lights in their own family, both to the generation prior to them and the generation that follows. We just, um, we thank you for the way that you're using them now in so many ways. Um, Knit us together as a family of faith um, that others might be reached for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Corbin and Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Carmen. Thank you. Absolutely. If you're listening to Mornings with Carmen, I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, I just want you to uh, affirm and confirm and assure you today that you're not alone. Wherever you are, um, whatever you're feeling, I'm going to remind you that you're not alone. Um, God is very present. He's closer to you than your next breath. I want you to find yourself enfolded um, right now in his everlasting arms. And, uh, and I want you to um, acknowledge his goodness and his grace, even in the midst of um, circumstances that feel terribly desperate. Um, I want to offer you some passages of scripture to read if you're feeling lonely right now and you want that scripture list, just go ahead and text me 877-933-2484. I also have a list of uh, songs to listen to and sing if you're feeling uh, lonely. Um, There's one by Hillsong called Another in the Fire, Chris Tomlin's Good Good Father, Lauren Daigle's You Say, Zach Williams' Chain Breaker, where Hillsong's, um, I guess I said, already said Another in the Fire. That's one of my favorites. Um, all Sons and Daughters has one called All the Poor and Powerless. Let me just encourage you to um, have your have your playlist today focused on songs that bring hope and healing and um, and have your reading list include, yes, what one person has just texted in. They texted in Lonely Scriptures. Yep, I'm going to send you the list right now. If you want that list, just text me, 877-933-2484. I'm going to send you a list of scriptures and just know that you're in my prayers today. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.